good, everybody. Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. This is the Gold Standard Podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Levin Black. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Levin, happy Thanksgiving to you. I haven't had you on the Instant Reacts podcast the last couple weeks. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're here with me at spending Thanksgiving with me. Where has your life gone? Uh, to work so that my bank <laughs> account can have money in it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, I've missed the Instant Reacts. Those are kind of therapeutic in a way. And, well, and you missed uh, the two best been... ones. Let's I know. Be honest. I guess I should never be on one again, huh? Oh, you know what? There's that. That's a really good <laughs> point by you. Maybe we should ban you until they lose. <laughs> like if you're on this week, although the game is over by that point, I guess. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like that's don't mess with the streak. If they lose this week and I'm on because I should be available, uh, then yeah, maybe I don't join again. <laughs> Boy, we could we could throw this whole season into jeopardy. Uh, before we get started, we're going to talk obviously about the Vikings game. Uh, we want to remind everybody: please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We always say if you take the time to leave a review on the show, we will read it on the show. We've actually got a couple this week. I just noticing another one that I didn't notice before we hit record. This one comes from King Rebel eighty seven five star review. Thank you very much. Subject: Robin Levin are two sides of the same coin. Rob and Levin make a great duo on the pod. They both bring what 49ers feel. Rob brings the instant reaction fan fire, and Levin brings the cold, hard truth that fans feel after a few shots of tequila. So there you go. Thank you very much, King Rebel 87. No tequila required over here, although no. I will gladly accept tequila. If anyone's, <laughs> if anyone's listening and has tequila that they would like to give to us, we will take it. We are not above <laughs> that kind of bribery. Uh, second review comes from Look at the Soul. Title, terrific podcast, five stars, great listening. I looked up stats on YouTube, and he's skinny. He sounds fat. Other than that, you get good stuff from him. <laughs> what the <laughs> hell does that mean? I sound fat? I think he must have had a mental picture that you're just some, like, fat fan in his basement ranting all the time. <laughs> I'm just a skinny fan in my basement ranting all the time. Have you have you ever done the Numa Numa dance? Like... <laughs> I don't even know what that That's is. The... What? Oh, come on. We're the same age. You should know. It's like the first Sorry. viral video. It's the fat guy with the headphones on like you're wearing. And he sits there doing the dance to the German song from like late 90s, early 2000s. I have no idea what that is. How dare you, you try and know. criticize my headphones? These are professional quality cans this is what real serious broadcasters wear, Levin. How dare you? But I don't know why this, he sounds fat. Other than that, you get good stuff from him. Like, I'm sorry my voice has deceived you and bothers you in some way. I'll try to push on. You never complain about it. You, you are so, like, hard-pressed and offended right now. I'm trying to play it off. I can see it in your face. Like, you were, like, fat. You want to, like, smack this guy. Like, what, what does that mean? Explain it to me. Like, like, what does it mean? I don't know. He sounds fat. Other than that, you get good stuff from him. Like, I never heard anybody describe a voice as fat or skinny. All right, let's move on. We got a huge game this week, 11. A massive, massive game. It's going to be so much fun. The fortunes of the 49ers could be a lot different after this week. Not only because of this game, but also because Packers-Rams is going to be huge as well. 49ers come in. They are three and a half point favorites as of right now. And full disclosure, we're recording this pod on Wednesday. So the spread could be different by the time this game actually gets played. But this is 
a game that I didn't know we were going to see. This is a consequential game at the end of November. And two weeks ago, I didn't think this game was going to matter at all. Yeah, I think this is a swing game, basically. I think that if if they win, are the Niners going to definitely make the playoffs? Not necessarily, but I think it would be very, very likely they make the playoffs. If they lose, it, it, it's over. Like, if you lose this game, you're going to fall behind. You're going to lose the tiebreaker. Then you're going to have way too much ground to make up with, with too many teams coming at you and too many, like, if you lose this game, there's too many other games that you're probably going to lose. You know what I mean? Like, you need to win this game. This is definitely a need. We're at that point in the season that with the playoff situation between these two teams, the Niners have to win this, and it's a definite swing game to the season. They win, and they are back. If they lose, like, I don't I don't see how you could recover from that mental hurdle. You know what I mean? Like, if you lose, you, the players have to be sitting there going, like, we don't have it. It sounds like from a couple of the interviews that I've heard this week, the players recognize how big this game is. Uh, Nick Bosa was on KMBR. He talked about it. Debo Samuel was on the Rich Eisen show. He mentioned it as well. So, like, they're aware of how important this is. So, Minnesota's 5-5. Five and five. They are the sixth seed. The Saints are 5-5. Five and five. They are 7. The Niners are at 8. The Eagles are at 5-6, and six, right behind the 49ers. But you were just talking about tiebreakers. The good news is the Niners have the win over the Eagles earlier this year. So if they can beat Minnesota, then you would be, not only would you be 6-5 and five on the season, you'd be 5-4 and four in the conference, which is the first tiebreaker after head-to-head. You'd have the tiebreaker with the Eagles. You'd have the tiebreaker with the Vikings. You don't play the Saints, but I think the Saints are just in free fall. Trevor Simeon's, you know, their starting quarterback now. He's a disaster. Alvin Kamara's knee is all sorts of banged up. They have a tough game uh, today, actually, against Buffalo. So I'm not really worried about the Saints. I think they're going to kind of fall out of this thing. Carolina is the one I'm more worried about than the Saints, in my opinion. Carolina okay, so- with Cam, I think, is going to be improved from what they were. You know, I'm not sitting there saying Cam is the old Cam, but he's imp- he's an improvement. There's no argument against that. He is an improvement for a team that has a really good defense. Cam's ability to run and control the clock if CMC can stay healthy, which is finally healthy now. That is a team built to kind of win in in the way of controlling the ball, running it down your throats, converting a lot of third and shorts, and then having a dominant defense on the other side. Hmm, Sounds familiar. I agree. The Panthers are without Cam Newton when it was just Darnold. I was not worried about them at all. With Cam, uh, they are something you have to worry about. But the Niners right now are five and five. Carolina is five and six. So that's sort of where they are. That's the table that has been set for the 49ers this week. And on the SB Nation NFL shows that I host, which I know you don't listen to, Levin, but you can always go check out the SB Nation NFL show. I have been singing the praises of Kirk Cousins all year long. Anytime that guy has needed a drive at the end of the game, which has been basically every week this year, he's gone down and gotten it. He's either stuck it in the end zone or set them up in position to make a game-tying or game-winning field goal. He has been money on the year, 21 touchdowns, two interceptions, He's been killing it for the Vikings this year. So if this game is close, and it probably will be, because almost every single game the Vikings have played this year has been a one-score game. If it's close, I'm worried, Levin, because Kirk's been getting it done. Yeah, I think the Niner fans in general have been way too low on Kirk. Uh, I have made that argument for multiple years in a row now, where everybody goes, oh, well, Kirk's not really that much better than Jimmy. Yeah, he is. Yes, he is. Kirk is a 4,000-yard, 30-touchdown-a-year quarterback consistently like that is his baseline is 4,000 yards 30 touchdowns normally around 10 to 14 interceptions depending on 
how good of a year he had, you know, a little bit of the luck of the bounces. Jimmy's never had a year like that. He's never had 30 touchdowns. He's never had 4,000 yards. Like that that's the baseline for Kirk. He's a much better quarterback than 49er fans specifically give credit for, which is probably just a coping mechanism for the fact that they didn't get Kirk. I agree. If Jimmy Garoppolo was putting up the Kirk Cousins numbers, people would be going nuts. And here's the other Trey thing. Lance wouldn't be on the team if Agreed. Jimmy Garoppolo put up his numbers. Easily. And the other thing is Kirk never misses a game. He's there every single and he takes some shots, man. He's he'll stay in there and he'll get drilled and he's just stands back up and he's ready to go. You know, I know he's the human sweater vest. I know people don't like his personality. I know, as my SP Nation co-host says, Brandon Lee Gowden, he has negative intangibles. Like, I agree. Yeah. There's, he's not like the the guy you he's want not a to leader. rally around. Yes, right. But he's good, man. The dude can flat out play. He makes me nervous. I have said, Levin, that I think this is the Nick Bosa game. Bosa has to wreck the Vikings offensive game plan and consistently get pressure on Kirk because if he doesn't, I think the Vikings are going to be able to carve up the Niners secondary a little bit. Yeah, that, that that's the issue for me is if Kirk can get time, the Niners don't have a secondary that's going to stop Thielen and Jefferson. You know, they can roll coverages to one of those, but they're not going to be able to stop both of them. And you just you can't give Kirk time to find one of those guys because, you know, can Norman stick with Thielen and his route running? No. Can Norman stick with Jefferson? No. Like. Those receivers are better than any of the corners on this team. Like Mosley could have issues. Like they are really, really good receivers. And that means that they have to get to Kirk. If they don't, I don't think the Niners are going to win. And I think what they should do, the Niners should come out with basically saying, let Dalvin Cook try to beat us. Let's see if you can beat us with the run game and try to drop back into coverage and take those receivers out of the game take the big plays out of the game i think if you limit the big plays then the niners should win and that that's one thing that does worry me though i could see a lot of leak outs to dalvin cook because i think the defense is going to be so concentrated on stopping those receivers and getting the big plays that i could see a lot of screens uh going to dalvin cook to thwart that pressure and that that's the big part that that kind of worries me in terms of their adjustment if the Niners are getting to Kirk early I could see them adjusting to a Dalvin Cook dump off game and just I mean the Niners have had issues with that like they could start just gashing the Niners for five to ten yards every play doing that if that's the case then something the Niners have been doing really really well is going to have to continue and that is tackling the Niners defense has been on it this week or the past couple of weeks with tackling, they missed 10 tackles in the Cardinals game two weeks ago. Since then, they have only missed four in the last two games combined. So if they do go to that leak out game, like you're talking about, it's going to be on Fred Warner, Aziz Alshire. It's going to be on these guys, you know, Tart Ward to track down Cook and take him down immediately and help keep the Vikings, you know, maybe potentially in third and long situations. Um, you you know, you're giving me nightmares when you talk about Josh Norman against Justin Jefferson or Josh Norman yeah. against Adam Thielen. Like that is Josh Norman's going to have to force so many fumbles in this game to compensate for how often he is going to get beat. Like it's it, it could be really, really ugly. And that gets me to the other side of this for the Niners is they're going to have to keep running the ball the way they've been running the ball. 
keep the Vikings. And then Kyle on the finally side. saw the light. Like they weren't that effective running the ball this past week. Agreed. They weren't getting a bunch, but they were committed to it. And even if they were only getting two to three yards per, it was creating third and short. It wasn't creating this third and ten plus yards. It was creating third and six, third and seven. If the run didn't succeed, it was still only third and seven. And that is much more manageable for Jimmy. Like Jimmy is much better at converting third downs when it doesn't need to be 10 plus yard throw. Yes, that is completely how their offense has improved. And I agree with you. Kyle stuck with the run and he dictated to the Jags, which I loved. I think it was, I want to say it was Akash. I can't remember who it was, but I think it was him um, on Twitter tweeted out a couple plays where you can see Jimmy Garoppolo calls out Oscar Oscar, which means he's running the play to the opposite side. The Jags defense know it. They recognize it. They point to where the run is going to go. The Niners run the play and still gain, you know, 8, 10, 11 yards. I think those were Debo runs, but the point remains like the Niners did not care that the Jags knew the play. They didn't care that Jacksonville was gearing up to stop the run. It was a very Harbaugh-esque kind of a game plan. They stuck with it and they it worked to their advantage and they didn't let the defense just dictate to them how their offense was going to run. But that's also a little concerning, if I'm being honest, right? Like, the other team can predict the play that easily, like know exactly where it's going. Well, the Niners are lucky they played the Jags then. Because if that was a better quality opponent, they wouldn't have succeeded. They would have been stopped. That That's a little concerning to me that, you know, the other team's able to recognize the audible and point literally to the exact spot it's going to be going. I hear you, uh, but at least I'll say if that's going to happen, I want it to happen on a run play because there's always an element to the running game where it's like, you know what? Here it comes. Try and stop it. Like it's there's just a physical component to that where even if you know the play, you know where it's going, you know it's going to be a run. If you get blocked, you don't get off your block. You're not going to be able to make the play. And I think we saw that a couple of times with Debo more than, than the running backs, like you said, because the running backs really did not have a strong performance. Uh, but Debo is just so damn good. I mean, people are touting Jonathan Taylor for offensive player of the year, but Debo has a pretty strong case, and it seems to be getting stronger every week. It all depends on how the teams finish. We all know that those awards go to playoff caliber teams. It's pretty rare, uh, especially in football, like, Sometimes you can see a baseball, you know, like Alex Rodriguez won that first MVP in the early 2000s on a team that was god-awful with the Rangers. You don't see that in the NFL. You don't see a guy winning big awards like Offensive Player of the Year MVP on a bad team. So depending on how the Colts finish and depending on how the Niners finish will go a long way. Like if the Niners end up getting 10-plus wins this season and Debo keeps up this track record, he's going to be in that running. Same thing for the Colts. If they get to 10-plus wins and Jonathan Taylor's sitting there lapping the field in terms of rushing yards, he's going to be in consideration for that award. If they, on the flip side, if they start losing and they're all, they're missed the playoffs or they win eight, nine games, like they're not going to be in the running for that award. It's going to go to a quarterback or somebody else. It's hard for a running back or wide receiver to get it. You're very right about that. Uh, you mentioned the Jags kind of knowing the play is something that concerned you going forward. There's one stat I realized this week that I just saw before we hit record, actually, that has me kind of concerned going forward. I'll tell you what that is when we come back after this. 
Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. All right, Levin, I mentioned the one stat that concerns me going forward, and it has to do with the 49ers on third down. Everybody, you know, talks about how they're 14 for their last 26, which is true, and obviously that's awesome. You mentioned today the running game has to put Jimmy in those third and short situations. And if you look at the box score last week, the Niners were 6 of 12 on third down, which obviously 50% is amazing and incredible, and you should be totally happy with it. But the Niners were 5 of 7 on third down in the first half of the game. So that means they only converted one third down in the entire second half of the game. And do you know which one it was? It was when Trey Lance came in and the game was totally over and ran for six or seven yards. That was the only third down they converted in the second half. Now, part of that is the Niners moved the ball so well that they didn't have some third downs on some of their drives. So you can't convert it if it never comes up. But again, it goes back to if the game is in the hands of Jimmy Garoppolo, third and six, third and seven, especially against Mike Zimmer, who has caused Jimmy some problems in the past. That is not the game script that you want if you're the 49ers. No, that's never been the game script. That's always been Kyle's game plan. Even before Jimmy, you know, any of his game plans have always been, if I don't need my quarterback, that's great. That, that was a success in his mind. He always wants the run game to dominate. When he has his ideal game plan, his ideal game plan is the quarterback never had to attempt to pass. Like the NFC championship game uh, when the Niners went to the Super Bowl is his ideal game plan. <laughs> Eight attempts from Jimmy Garoppolo. Exactly. So like, I, I don't know. Third downs tend to be kind of streaky. And you got to wonder in that second half with the Niners up, how risk averse Kyle was with the play calling. That's true. You know, he might've decided like, if they don't get a turnover, then we're going to win. If I give them a pick six, this game could turn. You know what I mean? Like that might've been some risk, risk aversion there by Kyle. That's a fair point. Like look at the first drive, right? Where they go all the way down the field, 13 minutes and five seconds. Part of me thinks that Kyle was like, as long as I get points on this drive, we're playing the Jags. We're going to win. If they are in that same situation and it's against the Vikings this week, do you think Kyle goes for it? I don't know because I did not like his quote in post game about that fourth down. Because if you remember, like they were going to go for it and then he called the timeout and decided not to go for it. And in the post game, I don't remember the exact words he used, but it was uh, that when he called the timeout, he started to second guess himself and he got scared and decided to take the field goal. It's like, how do you not have like a standard for this yet? How That's do you my not, point. Yeah. Like he he still it reminds me of the of like an outdated cop mentality of, well, it was just my gut feeling. No, you don't coach based off gut feelings. You know what I mean? You pay you you coach off analysis, uh a- analytics, probability. You co- coach off actual data, historical data, if you want to call it that way. So the fact that he's still doing this thing of whether or not he feels like they could get the fourth down or not it's just mind-boggling to me for a guy that's so analytical in everything else his fourth down decisions are literally he's admitting gut decisions that's stupid the what he said was that he called the going for it out of emotion and the more he thought about it he wanted to take the emotion out of it and so he decided to go get points but i actually think that that is backwards to be honest with you i think that the non-emotional thing instead of letting fear 
make your decision for you by saying, well, what we can't have this long drive and not get points that that they'll get the momentum instead of letting the fear of that make your decision. Look at it rationally. One, you're playing the Jags. They're terrible. Two, if you don't get it, you're on the two yard line. They got to go 98 yards to get a touchdown on you. And three, the Niners have been killing it in the red zone this year. I think that so far they're converting like 78% of their red zone possessions into touchdowns. Like the, the non-emotional, the logical decision is to go for it there. But the fact that he doesn't see that scares me because when you're playing good teams like this week against the Vikings who can score on anybody, you need points. Field goals are failures. I say it over and over <laughs> and over again. He'll never get it, but the smart thing to do is to go for it. And it doesn't seem like he's going to change his thinking on this. You know, one thing that bothered me, and in particular, these fourth and ones bother me with Kyle. Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the best QB sneakers. He learned from Tom Brady, who's maybe the best ever to do it. And later in that game, I think it was the second quarter. I think it was third and like one and a half to two yards. I think it read third and two. He QB sneaked it and got the first down. Yep. It's like. Okay, on third and two, you're going to QB sneak and get it. But on fourth and one, you're scared to QB sneak. Like, Jimmy's going to get it on a QB sneak fourth and one like 95% of the time. It is worth it to go for it. On Anytime it's one yard to go, the Niners should just QB sneak it. <laughs> I agree. They, they, they're damn good at it. And, you know, I know it seems might sound like we're complaining, but it's not what we mean to do. It's more of, hey, here's the things that they're going to have to do going forward right. that they're going to need if they're going to want to beat playoff teams. So we'll see if it changes. I hope it does. Um, one thing I wanted to point out too, people have talked about this, the third down play in that opening series where Jimmy Garoppolo hits, I mean, misses, I should say a wide open Jeff Wilson, not like open. I'm talking like yeah. people forgot he was on the field open. Like I could make the pass. open. Yes. That's how open it was. Me and my fat voice could make that pass. Um, <laughs> The formation the 49ers were in on that play, you had Juice and Jeff Wilson were at the wideout spots. You had Kittle at fullback. You had Ayuk in a three-point stance just off the line of scrimmage, and you had Debo at running back. If it's fourth and one, fourth and two, like that's the formation you line up in. You could like you're gonna confuse the hell out of a defense. So I just feel like there are so many options available to the 49ers, aside from the quarterback sneak that you mentioned, that they gotta start putting pressure on these teams. Right. Like that formation, think about it from the defense's perspective. The running backs, you generally want your linebackers on. And you need your DBs on the receivers and kittle. Well, when you line up in that formation, like how do you line up to match that? Right. Because you got the running backs out wide. So you're going to put the DBs in the center of the field. Well, then you can get gashed with the run because you got the little guys sitting in the center of the field and you got the bigger guys, the linebackers sitting out wide on the running backs. Like there's no, there's no good option for the defense there. Like I, I feel like I'm sure they have an audible capability out of that formation that, Hey, if the DBs come to the inside so that they can cover Kittle and Debo coming out, option it or audible it to a run play with Debo going up the middle and just manhandle them. You know what I mean? Like that is a very interesting formation that I don't think we've seen the last of. And I think there are some deeper trick kind of plays coming out of that deeper pass plays that are going to come out of that formation. Like there's, there's so many options out of that. 
it's wild what they can do. And my thing that popped into my head was where was that earlier in the season, right? Like when they couldn't buy a touchdown, when their offense was really struggling, there's nothing in the world that stopped them from lining those guys up in those positions. To me, it just goes to show that Kyle was sort of in a slump, kind of out of sorts with some of his play calls. And he seems to be back now. I mean, now he's like, he's in the lab now, like to come I, out with I, that. I formation. have a theory on this. Oh, oh, dazzle me. They didn't have time to deal with the more advanced formations like this because they spent that extra time that they would have done with those things on the Trey Lance packages. And in recent weeks, he's abandoned the Trey Lance packages because it's created too much confusion. They run a completely different style of offense when Trey Lance is in there. And I think Kyle realized that that's part of the execution issues was that the offensive linemen were having to flip back and forth on different ways of blocking based on who the quarterback was. And he needed to simplify it which we heard the announcers during the game say that Kyle talked about simplifying things a little bit. And I think that's how he simplified it. Instead of the team trying to learn two different offenses, he said, we're going to run the one offense. And that way he has more time to implement formations like this. Like implementing this formation isn't something that he can just do on a whim. It takes a little bit of practice time to do it, to make sure guys get lined up, right? They know their responsibilities, like there's a lot of nuance that comes in where based on how the defense lines up, players need to change what they're doing. So you need practice time in, in these newer formations. And I think that practice time went to the Trey Lance package. It could be. I mean, we haven't seen the whiff of Trey. I mean, he got it at the end of this one, but it was garbage yeah. time. And Kyle putting in Trey Lance to call design quarterback runs is just trolling us at this point. But uh, yeah, that, that didn't make me happy. It's like me really? either. You're going to have your quarterback go in and get hit. Why? Right. Like, what is the point? Like, it was stupid. If you're not going to have him throw, which to get him at least some development, like getting him in there to run just seems odd to me. Um, but there has been a marked difference in the execution of the team the past two weeks. So I don't I'm not saying your theory is right or wrong. I have no idea. It makes sense. Yeah, I'm not something... saying I'm definitely right. It's just a theory. Like, I have no way of proving it. Nobody has a way of proving it because only the people in that locker room and on that team know and they're not going to tell us shit. You know, it's not the type of thing that you go and let the public know about because then it tips your hand. So we're not going to know. We might know in the off season when they talk about it. We might know years down the road if somebody starts talking about it. Like, we want to know. But I think it, it makes a lot of sense in my mind that that's what's happened is that they've simplified things by not trying to install uh, a second style of offense each week. Speaking of crazy conspiracy theories, since we're kind of going down that road, I saw something that you tweeted out. A lot of people have been pointing out that Daniel Brunskill's had a pretty good two weeks. You know, he held his own against Aaron Donald. He was very good against the Jags at getting out to the second level. And you, I think it was you that tweeted out, like, maybe the fact that Mike McGlinchey isn't there is somehow helping Daniel Brunskill. Do you want to elaborate on this? It's just a thought I had, like, I don't know how there's, there are ways like maybe McGlinchey and Brownskill just see things differently. So their communication doesn't work, which yes, those guys do need to communicate because based upon what the defense shows, based upon who's blitzing, who's coming, they got to communicate on who to pick up. And if they're a little bit off, you know, have they had times where somebody goes unblocked? Yeah, occasionally, but it's not just that it doesn't just mean unblocked. What if, 
McGlinchey thought he was going to take somebody, but then he sees Brunskill's doing it, and he is now a split second behind in trying to get his guy that he now knows is his guy. And that split second is the difference between getting beat, you know, or the same thing for Brunskill. You know what I mean? If their communication is off, that plays a big, big role. Those that position, the guard to the tackle, they need to communicate extremely well. Like Lake and Tomlinson and Trent Williams on the other side, they communicate pretty well. They've had a couple of miscues, but it seems like they know who, who they're responsible for pre-snap pretty often. The other side, maybe they were having issues with that. That's one of the ways it could be. Or maybe just their styles don't mesh well. You know, maybe maybe McGlinchey wants to drop so far back that it opens up things to where the defender on the inside is able to take different angles to try to beat Brunskill. And that's not good for Brunskill. Like, he's not good at those angles. Like, there's a lot of ways that it could be. And I'm not saying it is. It's just a thought I had uh, wondering, like, is Brunskill improved because McGlinchey's just not a, they're not a good pair. Now, I don't know which one you would keep out of those two. You know what I mean? Like, well, they if Brunskill plays lights out, right, I know. They're not getting rid of McGlinchey at this point. But if Brunskill plays phenomenally well, like he has been the last two weeks, the rest of this season, he's probably going to be back. Like, at that point, you would have more than half a season worth of him playing really well. But if he comes back and then he doesn't do well next year with McGlinchey back, then that would seem to confirm it. Like, it, it, it's not me saying, oh, McGlinchey was the problem. It's me wondering if there is a disconnect between those two that has led to Brunskill suddenly playing better. And the good news for the 49ers offensive line this week is that no Dalvin Tomlinson for, for the Vikings. Now, unfortunately, he went on the COVID list. That's not good news, but he won't be active in the game. We're wishing him the best of health. And then the other uh, story that's really troubling and kind of scary is there's something going on as we record this with Everson Griffin. He's having some sort of mental health issue. It looks like he's in his house. Uh, he has a weapon. He was texting his agent that he needed help, that he thought someone was trying to kill him. Um, police are on the scene, at least at the time of this recording. As far as I know, the police were there. They were confident that no one else was in the house, which is good. Uh, but he's clearly going through something there. I would be just floored if he actually played in the game. I can't see how he plays in the game if he's going through this right now. Um, and just from a football perspective, that's good for the 49ers offensive line because he's a really good football player. And if he's not in the game, that's going to help them protect Jimmy Garoppolo if they do wind up in those third and five, third and six, third and seven situations. Yeah, I mean, is it good for the Niners football-wise? Yeah, but the other thing I'm going to say on is that I wish him well because this isn't the first time he's had a weird mental uh, issue. Like, I think it was four years ago that he just completely went MIA, disappeared from headquarters, didn't report for practices. Nobody knew where he was at, and there was a bunch of things like that. I, if I remember correctly, which I didn't get time to look this up because, you know, all this was going down right before we recorded, I think he actually checked himself into a mental, mental institute the last time this happened. So he seems to have some kind of condition. I'm not going to speculate on what it is, uh, whether it's getting off his meds or, or what. No idea. Um, I just wish him well because it's certainly seems like he has some kind of severe mental uh, disorder. Something is going on, clearly. So, yeah, we want him to get well. That's obviously a much more important thing than the outcome of this football game. Um, so, you know, we don't we won't know anymore by the time this gets posted and everything. Hopefully it, it you know, has a good result. But uh, 
that is the situation with the Minnesota Vikings right now, at least from a def- uh, defensive perspective. We are now more than a half hour into this show, Levin, and I haven't asked you any Thanksgiving food hot takes whatsoever. I want to know, is there any Thanksgiving item that gets served at the Black Family Thanksgiving that is a non-traditional Thanksgiving item? And to give you an example, we have lasagna at my Thanksgiving every single year. My aunt makes like the best lasagna in the world, and we have it every year. Nobody has lasagna, but we always do. Do you have any item like that? No. <laughs> You're just strictly that like that's the least surprising thing of all time. <laughs> Turkey, potatoes for you. Yeah, green beans. Uh I I will say I prefer ham. So like I always want ham to be there with the turkey and I'll have a little bit of turkey. But turkey's not my thing. Uh and so I will eat the ham a lot more like a nice sliced ham. Um but no, I I don't think I really have any big traditions because my family, like my mom, my household, immediate family, didn't do a big spread because we always had, my dad has this really big uh, family. Uh, like he had, uh, there were six of the kids in his generation. And out of those six kids came like 25, oh, like man. 20 plus cousins on that side of the family. So there was always a big, huge Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving with that family. So we never cooked at home. And it was always like a potluck type thing where like whoever was hosting would do the turkey, but then everybody else would bring all the side dishes, all the desserts, all Mm -hmm. that stuff. I will say the one thing that I always fought for because there was never enough to go around and it was always my favorite was deviled eggs. Like I want deviled eggs on Thanksgiving. Mm, An appetizer. That's a, I wasn't expecting you to pick that route, but that's good. That is good. We have deviled eggs at our Thanksgiving as well. I actually don't like them. So everyone's happy because, you know, their share gets increased. Shocker, Rob with a bad take. Who who would have guessed? Come on, man. I I just, they're not my thing. It's a texture thing. Something with the. Of course they're not your thing. You eat freaking lasagna on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I do. And if you had this lasagna, you would too. Um, But I could totally see that about you. Like just the facts, ma'am, like turkey, gravy. Okay. Throw in a little ham. I guess that's a little different, but like you're straight up like no frills thanksgiving and that's fine that's good you go thanksgiving leftovers the next day of course i go thanksgiving leftovers that night yes <laughs> now you're talking that's how you gotta so, do it so this year actually my wife I'm, I'm gonna be working nights so my wife's not gonna be able to cook because i'm gonna be getting a little bit of sleep prior to you know midday thanksgiving so she's we decided, you know what, let's let's get a catering thing. Uh, one of the restaurants that will like give you a full spread. I actually just picked it up right before we recorded. We ordered for four people like they had a four person or an eight person like that comes with all the sides, the turkey, the ham, all that. I went and picked it up. It's like 20 pounds of food and it's supposed to be for four people. <laughs> wow. That's so impressive. It, it's yeah. It, it, we like literally when we were unpacking it all, we were looking all we were like, I don't think we're ever cooking again. It wasn't all like it was cheaper than us going and getting everything. Cause you know, like it's a once in a year thing. So like a lot of times, Oh, I don't have the spice. I got to go get it, you know, and all those different things like that. Like cooking at home is expensive. This wasn't all that expensive and it's a pretty highly rated place. that's always done this, but yeah, I get to eat that. 
And then I get to go to work. And I was told today that we're going to have nice steaks and all the fixings and desserts. <laughs> okay, so, so I'm going to pig out when I get to work. And then I'm going to come home and probably pig out again. If you're new to this show, you don't know. Levin has the craziest job situation when it comes to holidays because they bring it. They pull out all the stops where you work. You always get like steak or lobster or some sort of like fancy spread. I don't remember what holiday it was last year. Maybe it was Christmas. I was like, yeah, 11, you had to work Christmas Eve or whatever. Oh, that was a bummer. Did they have nice food? And you were like, yeah, I had two steaks. Like you doubled up. If you've got to work on a holiday that stinks, but you know what? They're making it as good as it can be over there. Yeah. So basically a lot of employees, us operators, you know, like we don't leave the plant. So we don't get uh, P cards you know, which is like, you know, company card where you can charge whatever you want to it. Um, but pretty much everybody else does. So there's one guy in particular, like we had my supervisor a year and a half ago on July 4th, he was supposed to bring out the food. And he literally stopped at this hole in the wall, small town grocery store on the way out. And was like, Oh, sorry. They didn't really have good stuff to pick from. Yeah. No crap. You, you stopped at a hole in the wall, small town grocery <laughs> store. Uh, so that, that uh, got back to kind of the higher ups. And they're like, okay, he's never doing it again. And the guy that does it now, he's happy to do it. He is definitely very liberal with what he will get and what he will charge. Like last time, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, he got it. We literally had enough for both crews. Like, you know, we're 24 seven operation. So there's two people at night, two people during the day. We were still pigging out all through the weekend. <laughs> See, so that's the he, he right went and did it again. The job. So. There you go. I'm sure I will have cheesecake pie options um, and probably like 50 pounds worth of food to pick from. (laughs) That is incredible. Enjoy that. By the way, my last food take for the day that you're probably not going to like. Nobody ever likes it. I hate all pie. I don't eat it. No cooked fruit. That's not how fruit should be. Don't go pie. Don't go any crazy dessert on Thanksgiving. Get rid of the dessert. Eat more turkey. Eat more mashed potatoes. Eat more lasagna. Dear listeners, can you please go leave a review and tell Rob he's a freaking <laughs> moron when it comes to food, especially Thanksgiving? Like, you're you're un-American. How how about that? What do you mean I'm un-American? Go move to Italy and have lasagna on your Thanksgiving. Look, this is a melting pot. We live in a melting pot, okay? What is America if not a blending of cultures? All right. So you what is it? What is America other than apple pie? There's literally a movie called American Pie that's about apple pies. Now, I'm not gonna get into what happens apple pies. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'm I'm not a pie guy. I've never been a pie guy. I just, it's not a, it's not good, man. It's not good. It is overrated. It's the Jimmy Garoppolo of dessert. Yeah. You're just dead wrong. Which by the way, uh, if you haven't done so yet, I know you're going to be busy with family, whatever, maybe tonight after everything is done, go to NinersNation.com. We have an article all about comparing 49ers to different aspects of the Thanksgiving meal. You are definitely going to want to check. Is there a lasagna one to compare to? Maybe I'll write it. You jerk. Uh, Yeah, I didn't uh, think so. You should definitely go and check that out. Just a fun thing. You know, like we so many serious topics that we like to do on Niners Nation, and I'm here for all of that. But every once in a while, there's room for a little bit of fun, too. So definitely go and check that out. All right. Final thing before we go. Niners, favored by three and a half. Where are you going in this one against the spread? I would pick the Niners. Like, you shouldn't ask me these questions 
I think I've gotten one game right this whole year. Like, <laughs> don't tell the people that. <laughs> like, we don't tend to do, like, outright predictions on ours because we're kind of in the middle of the week. So, like, there's other shows that are better timed for that. But, yeah, like, I, I think the Niners are going to win this. I think this game should be personal to the Niners for multiple reasons. One, it should be personal to Kyle because it's Kirk Cousins. You don't want Kirk beating you. Because uh, he knows what the questions will be post game, uh, it'll be about Kirk, and then also the Vikings have had the Niners number like the last two times. I think it's the last two times they played the Vikings. They were both in Minnesota, and I went to them, and they lost both. So thanks a lot for that. I love love spending like five six hundred bucks on tickets to watch the team lose. <laughs> well, you're forgetting the <laughs> divisional playoff game at Levi's. That where is the true. Niners yeah, whooped yeah, them, yeah. Um, but don't forget in that game too. Kyle Shanahan got spooked by a couple of would-be interceptions from Jimmy Garoppolo and then decided to just never let him throw the ball again. We'll see if that repeats itself. I think this game is going to be close. I think the 49ers can win it. I don't think they will cover the spread. I think this is really going to be like a two, one or two-point game on either side. I don't see anybody blowing the other side out. But hopefully, let's go with the Niners. Let's have a good Thanksgiving, everybody. A nice 49ers win. And remember, you can join us after the game. Levin is back. He makes his triumphant return to the Niners Nation Instant Reaction Podcast on the Niners Nation YouTube page, Facebook page, Twitter page. We are everywhere. We take your questions, your comments. Come commiserate with us. And you know what? I may have a turkey sandwich as we do that show. I'm not making any promises, but it's a very real possibility. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, everybody. Levin. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I am incredibly thankful and grateful for not only having you on this show, but having you as a part of the Niners Nation Network. People don't know, but Levin does a lot of extra stuff that he doesn't have to do, but he does it because he cares and it matters. And I am grateful for you. So thank you, sir. I'm just glad I get paid something. I get to say, <laughs> hey, I'm a paid podcaster, you know. <laughs> Professional broadcaster. It's not, not getting rich over here. Don't Don't mistake me, listeners, but... Yeah, like I literally get a claim once again that I'm paid to talk. People probably won't believe that once they've heard you're speaking, but you know. Should, should we do a poll, by the way? I think we need to put a poll up on Twitter. How fat do you think Rob is based on his voice? <laughs> Apparently I have a fat voice. I don't know. That's just the weirdest thing ever. Keep the ratings and the reviews coming. Even if they're mean, that's okay. Again, I tell you, we read the good ones. We read the bad ones. Whatever. You take the time to leave a review. We'll read it on the show. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, everybody. And we'll talk to you after the game on Sunday.